I want to thank every single one of you who has downloaded, listened to, streamed the Sam and Trout Steel Editor podcast. Just hit 100,000 downloads, uh, not counting YouTube or anything like that, but just those of you that are on the podcast apps. And while that may not seem like a lot, you know, compared to some of the YouTube views, you know, videos get and such, uh, what it means is there is people out there, listeners like yourself, who are so deep into fishing that you actually listen to a podcast about it. So I think you're a lot like me, where you can just never get enough of information and are continuously learning. And I, I hope that this podcast is um, is is doing that and maybe has provided some good information. I do what I can here on uh, my solo end, whether it's just uh, reading articles or maybe going off on my own tangents and rants. And especially if you go back through the podcast, I'd really encourage you to take a look at a lot of the interviews. You know, I was just talking to Roger Hinchcliffe today, and uh, I remembered his podcast about Steelhead Don't Wear Sunglasses, and it was just some wonderful information in there about, you know, some theories and ideas that may have some nuance to them. You know, for instance, in low clear water, do you always go small presentation? Well, that's a uh, interesting subject that you can learn a lot more about in that episode. And then countless other great interviews that I've had with so many wonderful people. You know, the Keith Johnson Steelhead episodes are, of course, very popular. Hoping to get out with him soon and do some of that. Uh, but there's just so many great episodes going back uh, over the last couple years. And so if you haven't looked through the archive... I mean, this isn't the type of thing where it's all about current news or anything. I want these podcasts to be timeless, and I do believe they are because it's just consistent information that's going to help anglers. And uh, so this episode is really just a little bit of a thank you. Going to keep it short. Got a little bit of a cold today, but I just have to express my absolute gratitude for everyone that downloads this podcast I, I can't believe it. I meet you guys on the river. I talk to you on Instagram or Facebook. And every single podcast listener so far has been just wonderful to talk to. Smart people, great fishermen, always learning. And I think always learning is absolutely massive for fishing. And one of the things that impressed me so much about Frank Amato an absolute gem of a man who I still enjoy talking on the phone with and hopefully we'll get an interview in with him as well soon. I'm going to try to make that happen this winter. But Frank Amato, I'd be talking to him about, you know, fishing experiences. I'd call him on the phone or he'd call me and say, hey, Lucas, so uh, have you been out fishing? And, and I'd tell him my most recent experiences and and the guy would just sit there and ask me questions. And he'd be asking, oh, what color, what size, what type of water, all this stuff. And, you know, asking me for things. And this is a guy who's fished, you know, decades and fished all over the world. Incredible places. Has published hundreds of books, thousands of magazines. 
And still, at the end of the day, he's looking for new information at all times. And uh, Nick and Tony are like that, too. Um, two great guys who I respect and have the honor of working with. Um, excellent fishermen, but again, they're always learning. And of course, it helps when you're putting together, you know, fishing knowledge and being in touch with all these great writers and editing them and putting them into the magazine that we all know and love. Uh, but, you know, always keep learning. And uh, my goal for 2024 is really to get to a new level with Steelhead in terms of efficiency. Um, I would like to start being more, uh, I guess, what would the word, intentional with my color selections. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like in recent years, I've just kind of, you know, I've, I learned steelhead fishing from Marlon Lefevre and honestly have tended to copy a lot of his ideas as far as jig colors and worm colors and, and things of that sort. But one of the things I'm going to do is intentionally try some stranger colors, um, in terms of jigs and beads and that's not to say I'm not going to have the old favorites out, but, you know, why is it that a blue spinner is so deadly for me, blue and chrome, yet I won't fish a blue jig or a blue worm? And I'm not saying those work or don't work, but just these are some of the thoughts I'm having coming into this winter steelhead season. And I'm really looking forward to uh, some of my new gear. I'm going to be picking up the red line uh, center spin rod, which is a 12-foot float rod that you can use a spinning reel on or a center pin reel on. It was something that I had the pleasure of being involved in uh, designing when I worked at Lama Glass. And uh, it is essentially kind of a version of the closer that Roger Hinchcliffe designed. Um, but with a black gloss finish, it is an import. But uh, very high quality rod. And what I love about that 12-foot center spin rod, which I named it. I think that's kind of a cool idea. The center spin, you know, kind of came up with the idea, you know, could we create a rod that you could use a spinning reel on or a center pin? Because I think a lot of us uh, out in the Northwest, we kind of like the idea, Ooh, I might want to try a center pin. But then it's like, you know, well, what if I don't stick with it? And I then just going to be stuck with a center pin rod well, that's what's nice about the Lama Glass Center Spin is that you can put a spinning reel on it like I do 99% of the time. And I'm telling you, if you put a half ounce float setup on it, you can put that bobber and that jig anywhere you want. And mending is a breeze. It is absolutely incredibly effective for float fishing, not only for putting it where you want, but once you set the hook, the tip is fast in that it makes a move on the hook getting set in the fish's mouth. But then if you look at the bend of the rod, it appears moderate because it's bending evenly throughout the rod, like truly parabolic. And so it's like a spring that just keeps loading and you never end up losing power. So it's also an excellent rod if you do happen to catch one of those giant trophy steelhead that we are all after. And so that's going to be a float rod I'm using. Uh, I got a birthday present from my friend Marlon. 
uh, on my birthday, he brought me a, a high-end Okuma reel that's really nice that I'm going to put some nice, uh, uh, probably go with the addicted braid on it. Um, that stuff's been working well for me. And then I'm going to pair that with that Lama Glass Center Spin 12-footer, and that'll be my main float rod. Um, and then I have a 10-foot uh, Lama Glass it's built on the G1000 Pro blank that is a 10 to 17. And a little background on this, uh, when I was at Lamaglass, we were we had the G1000 Pro series and that was basically bringing in the best models from the G1000 as well as the certified Pro series into one updated series with new guides, new reel seats. Um, you know, classic graphite look they're just all around workhorse wonderful rods that um that are durable but have nice sensitivity but i did personally notice that there was a little bit of a hole in the lineup you know we had when it came to medium heavies in that lineup uh it was basically an eight foot six or a ten foot six and all of the nine foot sixes were more like steelhead rods um, and there was an XMG that I truly loved that was a 10-footer, I believe it was an 8-15. to 15. might have been the XMG 10MC or perhaps MHC. And uh, I took that rod and that blank and I brought it in into the, to the blank plant. And Gary and Bob, uh, two of the most down-to-earth but also brilliant blank designers... I brought that to them and I said, hey, is there any way you could replicate this type of rod, but with the new G1000 Pro Graphite that's a little more durable because the XMGs were definitely, you know, a thin-walled rod that you had to be careful with. And so within a matter of days, they brought back the GP10 MHC or MHS, uh, you know, because it's in spinning or casting, but that blank... 10 foot is just, it's awesome. It's one of those all around rods, 10 foot. It's got nice length where you can mend a float just fine. We actually, because of the new graphite, uh, being a little thicker, we did up the rating from eight to 15. I believe it's now 10 to 17 because with a change in graphite, even if the pattern is the same or similar graphites themselves, um, have different modulus and just they're a different material so it does change things and so it is a little bit um uh, just a touch heavier than that xmg um still very sensitive it's one that you can certainly float fish with i'm going to be using it primarily as my uh sliding float setup you know bobber dogging uh, mostly Kelly dogging, which is kind of in between barber dogging and float fishing. Uh, that's kind of my goal. Besides my float rod, I'll have that 10 footer and I'll be running a half ounce float uh, with the Dave's Tangle Free stick weights, um, which BNR is actually offering. And shout out to Dave Harding. Um, he did end up selling Dave's Tangle Free to another wonderful Northwest company, BNR that is keeping the legacy alive and producing those incredible weights. 
And uh, so I'm going to be running that like a the 10 foot rod. Um, I'll be using a braided line, probably a 40 pound uh, braided line. And then I, I'm going to be doing a sliding float with a half ounce stick weight most of the time. The sliding float, I don't go with the bobber dogging floats myself. Uh, I'm going to use some different options there. And kind of use that for when I want to fish beads, whether it's a single bead setup or perhaps double bead. Or one thing that I like to do is a bead with a little mini worm trailer on the second hook. Um, just like a three inch worm. And sometimes that can be deadly. They get a look at either one of those. They have the option of a bead or a little three inch worm. And then I also might be fishing pink worms under that as well. You know, whatever, whatever I may need to do. But I'm planning on having two rods this winter with floats on them. One of them, a dedicated jig and pink worm fishing suspended completely. A lot of fixed floats. Um, and then the other one, more of a half ounce setup where, um, as I mentioned, Kelly dogging. It's something... I named after a buddy of mine and it's stuff that, you know, a lot of, a lot of you guys do, but kind of that idea on these low to medium flows, not quite bobber dogging, but not quite suspended fishing either. And it's basically running a weight like the Dave's Hangle Free, uh, the classics or the stick weight or pencilette or whatever you may have. And having, you know, your three, four foot leader with a bead or whatever, or a bait or a spawn sack, something like that with a split shot in the middle of the leader to get it down a little bit. But instead of dragging the bottom consistently and really slowing down that bait, having it to where it's just kind of gliding through the run and just touching the bottom, maybe every eight feet or so, or maybe grabbing a bigger rock every once in a while and slowing it down. So it's not fully suspended it's not full bobber dogging, but kind of in between. And that can be especially deadly because you're right down in the zone the whole time. Um, and not only that, you're not slowing it down too much. Now, of course, bobber dogging, slowing it down, especially in higher volume water, uh, can be incredibly effective. There's no doubt about that. But in medium to low flows, I kind of like just tick and bottom every once in a while. And it's kind of the concept like with drift fishing, uh, Bill Herzog and Nick Amato talk about this of kind of gliding through a run where you're ticking the bottom, not very much, but you know, you're right in that zone and you tick just enough to slow it down a little bit every once in a while. So it's not going quite at the speed of the current, just a touch behind and in cold water, a little slower presentation can go a long way. So those are, you know, some of the things I'm preparing for. Uh, it's almost December. I'm going to get uh, get one of those addicted backpacks um, and just fill it full of gear, try to be organized this year. Uh, my buddy did lend me, even though I have waders and wading boots, my buddy lent me his uh, hip waders or whatever you call the ones that go above the knee and they have the boots attached. And I'm going to try to put in some little 20, 30 minute trips before or after work or on a lunch break, whatever it may be. And just put in my time at a good hole or two and do it. And that's, what's nice about the winter. There are going to be times that I'm going to be fishing hard. 
you know, perhaps all day. I've got a really cool trip coming up with Andrew Schnell and uh, Keith Johnson. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, But in the meantime, those after work or lunch break trips, it can be really satisfying when you do have a hole that's producing and you can drop down there for just 10 minutes and, and catch a steelhead. And that's, that's wonderful, especially if you've got a local river that'll do that. Some of my local rivers are a little bit tougher. The runs aren't great, but at the same time, you always have a chance and that's worth it for me. So yeah, I'm going to have those two rods, a, a 12 footer when I really need to mend, you know, very precise. And that's for my suspended fishing And then I've got, uh, you know, the 10 footer, which is a little bit shorter, but still long enough to do, you know, more of the bead fishing or a bobber dog and a worm or whatever it may be. Um, Spawns, spawn sacks, eggs, uh, sand shrimp, prawn, you know, where, where legal. And then last but not least, I'm probably going to use that same GP 10 MHC um, that I'm using for the bead fishing and everything with the half ounce float and the stick weight, uh, except in a bait caster variation for spoon fishing or spinner fishing. And I don't typically do a ton of spoon fishing until February. And then I fish it heavily from February through April. Uh, but I will be fishing, I think some smaller spoons, like going into the one third ounce, um, you know, maybe up to two fifth ounce, uh, and also some spinners as well. Um, so that's kind of my setup, you know, three rods. Sometimes, you know, on those lunch break trips, I might just bring one, but I really like having three options to go through the hole with. And then if it's not happening, keep moving, you know, just keep moving. And that's, uh, for winter steelhead, I think that's a massive factor, you know, Frank Amato told me he took notes for decades and 95% of the time a steelhead was caught within the first 10 casts. Unless we're talking a massive hole, those were his notes and that is a big deal. So I would encourage you this winter, fish a hole, fish it as efficiently as you can, get that bait, get a couple baits everywhere a steelhead could possibly be, but then keep moving. There's always going to be another spot, fresh water, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this winter steelhead season, preparing for it, and I'll be uh, bringing on some guests this winter to talk about steelhead fishing. I've got some really good ones coming up. They will be phone interviews, just because these are people that are not in my immediate area, but I think you're going to enjoy them. And again... Cannot thank you guys enough. 100,000 downloads. And the last episode that did it, my daughter guessed it on. And uh, she was she was stoked to be a part of it. She uh, absolutely loves fishing. And uh, pretty special to get her on the podcast. So, guys, by the way, I'm going to go a little bit more in depth on this in the future. But we have an incredible thing going on at salmon trout steelheader with the magazine where your subscription is literally accessible from your phone ipad or computer read the articles easily move anywhere you want click and it'll read it to you 
Um, you can flip through the magazine, see past issues, do all this from a computer, phone, or tablet, and it's looking really good. Um, by the way, there is a sale. This I don't know how much longer it's lasting, but on all three sites, SalmonTroutSteelheader.com, GLAngler.com for Great Lakes Angler, and AmatoBooks.com, A-M-A-T-O Books.com. You go to any one of those three sites, I believe it's something like, let me double check here. Let me, before I tell you the wrong number, 30, oh, 35% off. I was going to say 30. Good thing I checked. 35% off, which by the way, go to amatobooks.com ASAP. I'm not kidding. This place is so loaded with books and information and this stuff is not all on the internet. Many people think, oh, I can find it all on the internet. I've read these books. Not all of them. I should. There's hundreds of them. But the information contained in these is just incredible. And 35% off right now on amatobooks.com. Go stock up. And there's something about reading a book about fishing and diving into it and putting away your phone for a second and reading that book. And going through it, I remember the float fishing book, uh, I think it's like float fishing techniques or something. It was based in the Great Lakes, actually. Uh, the, the writer was, was one of the very first books when I was learning steelhead fishing. Like I mentioned before, Marlon Lefebvre from Addicted. He gave me this book because he had a bunch of the Amato books. Yeah, it's called Steelhead Float Fishing by Jim Butler. And that one just covered so many topics and taught me so much. That book alone was just wonderful. And, and you know, the Terry J. Weist or Weist, I'm so sorry, this guy's a wonderful writer and I still don't know how to pronounce his last name. His Float Fishing for Salmon and Steelhead. Um, I mean, there's just, you know, if you're into smallmouth bass, fly fishing techniques for smallmouth bass, there's map books, fly tying books, of course, Randy Bonner's new bead book, the the Bead Fishing Bible, that's an incredible book with so much great information, um, really hasn't been done, um, you know, old school Bill Herzog books, um, one of my favorites is just called Wild Steelhead, and it's more just about the biology and migrations of steelhead. You really learn a lot from that. But uh, go take advantage of that. Get a few books and, uh, you know, let me know what you think. So, again, this is just a, kind of a thank you episode. Just kind of want to tell you about what I'm prepping for with Winter Steelhead. I am going to make it more interesting here coming up soon, though. Got some interviews coming. I'm talking to a couple guys that uh, guys and ladies that you're going to want to hear from. It's really good stuff. So I will get on that. I'll schedule those. going to try to get even more of these out in 2024 and just keep it going. But you guys keep me going and all your kind words, saying hello in the ri- on the river, in the store, wherever, um, sending me messages, lucasholmgrenmedia at gmail.com. You can always do that. L-U-C-A-S-H-O-L-M-G-R-E-N media, M-E-D-I-A at gmail.com. Send me any notes, comments, questions, or if you have something you'd like to hear about. Of course, advertisers can get in touch as well. And uh, appreciate it. 100,000, you guys did it. I hope you have a 
wonderful winter steelhead fishing season. Not just that. It's cutthroat time, and that's what I'm doing tomorrow. I'm going to go fish. I don't know if uh got any guys my age, but back uh, when I was a teen, there was a band that was doing extremely well on the radio, and I think they were even in that uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater game that I play on PlayStation, but a band called Power Man 5000, and tomorrow I'm bringing uh, the drummer from that band out cutthroat fishing. And that's pretty underrated. November, December, before the steelhead fishing gets good, go out and cutthroat fish. Little fixed floats, 16th ounce jig head, a 3-inch worm like a nightmare or a bubblegum pink. Or just go throw a little owl's goldfish or a little Cleo spoon or a little blue fox or something like that, rooster tail. Those things are a blast and they're all over our coastal rivers and Columbia tributaries and then of course... Uh, you know, the people that are lucky enough to have them in their lakes or, or rivers, cutthroat trout fishing can be incredible in November and December. I had a wonderful trip last week with Dave Harding from Dave's Tangle Free and his son. We went out, fished a couple holes, caught like 11 fish, including a coho jack, and uh, lost a coho adult, rainbows, cutthroats. And it's about 11 o'clock, and we're like, you know what? that was a great day. Let's go eat pizza and go home. And it's just a blast. If you're kind of struggling, trying to get a steelhead or a late coho, hang it up, go grab the ultralight and go have some fun with some cutthroats or rainbows. It's a blast. And it's something I'm doing tomorrow with, uh, with, with a good musician buddy of mine who's toured the world. And it just goes to show fishing is for everyone. Rock stars, I just watched a, a video on YouTube today, some professional soccer player fishing cutthroat in Puget Sound, um, authors, actors, all sorts of people, doctors, lawyers, fishing is for everyone. And I feel like for the listeners of this podcast, those of you I've met so far, fishing is a year round thing for you and you dive deep into it, and you're hardcore about it. So I'm going to do my best to bring you the best information I can going forward. Thank you, guys. Have a wonderful Christmas, New Year's, whatever you celebrate during these holiday seasons.